Fences made to keep certain things in and other things out. To keep the wild animals wild and the tame animals tame. But which are we? Hello and welcome to the Feral Christian Podcast where the modern church, biblical accuracy, the Holy Spirit, and human personalities collide and we try to make some sense of it. Uh, My name is Eric Jackson and today the topic that we are going to be talking about is successful ministry, meaning that us as Christians, hopefully feral Christians, um, people who want to live outside the fence, want more than um, maybe the square plot of fenced-in land that we've been allowed, um, and we want to push past that, and we want everything that God has has designed for us, and, and we want to possess all the land that God is calling us to possess. How do we define success? And you might think, well, why is that so important? Is it really all that big a deal? How we define success? Um, Or even just, is there different ways of defining success? Isn't there just one definition and we're all chasing the same definition? And I think this is really important. And in fact, as I've reached out um, through all these different podcasts and asked people for questions and input, this was the one that seemed to strike the biggest chord in people. And so I really hope that this um, this helps a lot of us to define success because I do believe that how you define success as a Christian is going to strongly impact how feral you can be. Um, you know, part of what it means to be a Christian, at least, you know, what it should mean to be a Christian is to have freedom. Over and over in the Bible, it talks about how uh, before Christ, uh, we were slaves. We were slaves to our sin. We were slaves to our flesh. We were slaves to death, and, and we had no freedom at all. Um, we were under the yoke of, of fear and death, and, and there was nothing we could do about it. And once you're found in Christ, once you're born again, there's this freedom that is supposed to come. And I get a lot of questions about, well, what does that freedom actually mean? Does it mean we get to do whatever we want? Um, You know, and, and the Bible addresses that that is not the case, but there is a freedom that you've never had before. It's a freedom from sin and fear and death, but it's also a freedom to redefine things that um, were defined by people other than God. And I wish that we as Christians took more of an opportunity to do this. Um, I wish that we took much more of an opportunity to look at our lives and say, what in my life has been defined by someone or something other than God? Because I now have the freedom to redefine that. Um, And that's part of the freedom that we get when we become born again. And for me personally, um, as as a pastor, as someone who has been in ministry for a while, my definition of success was essential 
not just for me to be able to do a good job at what God is calling me to do, but for me to be able to do what God's calling me to do at all. And I remember the day that, that I was getting so burnt out. And, and I had a couple of these moments in ministry where, where I did not know if I could keep going. And I felt like I was on the edge. And, and this time, you know, it was, it was pretty bad. And I was pretty burnt out. And um, I didn't think I could keep going. And I remember praying. And I just remember God telling me very clearly, I don't, I don't necessarily hear God in an audible voice. I, I talk to myself a lot, just in everyday life. I'm a little weird like that. And when God talks to me, usually it's a situation where I'm kind of talking to myself, and suddenly myself starts to say things that I don't normally say, um, things that are lined up with the Bible and things that are powerful and give me goosebumps. And I know, oh, that, that was God. And I remember him just very clearly in that way saying, you're going to let me redefine what success is right now. And uh, you don't have a choice. And so I said, okay. And God gave me a, do- a new definition of what success is. And um, it radically changed my life. Um, it, it was one of those moments that was a shift um, that I probably only had five or six of those moments in my life where in just one decision, everything changed. Um, and this was one of those, is, is just getting a definition of what success is. And um, I've had the privilege of mentoring, you know, a lot of young, um, you know, either pastors or people who feel called into ministry. And, and I always try to just speak into their lives and speak truth and, and things that God has told me, and, um, and some of them stick and some of them don't, and, um, you know, I never, never get too offended either way, but this definition of success I, I've shared with, with most of them, and this is the one thing that time and time again um, I will hear back from them that it was one of the more impactful things that, that I was able to pour into their life is this definition of success. Even years later, um, I've had multiple people just say, man, that, that, was, that was the thing. So I'm going to share with you my definition of success, and, um, and then we're going to look at the Bible, and I'm going to show you kind of where we get that from. So uh, here's my definition of success. Are you ready? It's, it's pretty long. It is this, being in God's will. That's it. That's the end of the definition. And I remember the day that he gave me that. I said, there's no way that that is all success is. And he said, yes, that's exactly what success is. Being in my will. And here's what I mean by that. I mean that through each season of your life, you know, we have, we have different seasons, um, through each season of your life, you can look up to the heavens and say, God, I am where you want me to be, doing what you want me to do. Uh, I may not be doing it flawlessly. 
Um, there's there's a hundred different ways that I wish I was doing it better, but I am where I'm supposed to be, doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm obeying you in this season of my life. I may not like it. It may be uncomfortable. There may not be as much fruit as I want to see. Um, there may be other things that I wish I was doing, but I'm obeying you right now. And that's really my only definition of success that I've had from that point on. Um, and it's been a struggle because I'm just going to let you in on something is when the world gives you a definition and you use your freedom in Christ to redefine it in a way that's more accurate to who he is and what the Bible says, the world does not let it go. It will keep pushing and it will want to redefine that again. The world wants you to work for it. It does not want you to work for God. And so it has been definitely a struggle. And, and there have been times where, where I've lost. I've lost that definition for, for short periods of time. And, and God's been very graceful in reminding me. But I'm going to show you where I get that out of the Bible. So I'm going to bring you to 1 Kings chapter 2. And this is a powerful verse because David is going to die. And he's talking to his son, Solomon. And these are always powerful parts of the Bible where it's someone's kind of last testament before they die because what's truly important is going to come out. Um, we see it in, in the life of Moses. You know, he kind of had his last, you know, here's what's important to, to the Israelites. And it's very special and powerful to be able to sit in on those conversations. And this is the conversation that David was having with his son Solomon. And this is, this is 1 Kings chapter 2, and, it, and he says, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. So basically what David is saying here is obey God and you'll be successful. By the way, Solomon ended up being very successful. So obviously this advice was good advice. But that's really all he said. He wasn't um, giving a bunch of human philosophy. He wasn't like, hey, you got you to gotta get up at this time of day you got to get your workout in, then you got to do this. You know, there's there's just so much out there. It, if you watch social media, everybody, everybody has got their secret to success, their secret to turning your side hustle into wealth. You know, everybody's got the, here's the secret. And, and, and you see David giving this advice to Solomon, who ends up becoming, you know, the, the most prosperous person, you know, maybe even in the history of the world, you know, people literally came from other countries just to see how prosperous he was. And really the only advice that he got was obey the Lord. Be, be in his will. Now this, this cause, it causes a few problems for me because 
I love simplicity, and I'm always trying to make things as simple as possible. But there are times where if you try to oversimplify, um, you actually lose important things. And so I try to have that safeguard in place to say, okay, is, have I oversimplified something? Because you can do that and miss really important steps. And so I asked God, I said, but God, I know people, I've seen people who are, are in your will, who are obeying you, and they aren't successful the way that you would, you would see it. That you wouldn't call them prosperous. So how does this work? Because I, I've seen in my life people who obey you, and they don't have a lot of extra money, and they aren't famous. They aren't successful the way that you would think of it. Even, even the way that, that Solomon became successful, it, it would be, it'd be a setup for disappointment if you think, hey, all I have to do is obey God and I'm going to become rich and famous. But again, that's where having a truly different definition of success at its very core is important, is, is we as Christians don't just have a different way to achieve success, we have a different definition of what success is. So, so we don't have just a different means to the end, we have a different end. And if you don't redefine what the end goal of success is, then you're going to be disappointed, even if you change up the means. And so, you know, the world says if you want to be rich and famous or successful, then you got to hustle and you got to work hard. You got to be smarter than everyone else. You just got to, you just got to put your head down and just be better than the person next to you. And then you'll have success. And we can't just change the means. We can't just say, well, instead of, you know, working hard and being smarter than the person next to me and all those things, I'm just going to obey God but I'm still going to expect the same end result of success. We have to actually change our definition of what success is. And so I want to bring you to Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, to lay this out. This is what it says. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So again, that gets confusing because... You're saying, okay, all I have to do is take delight in the Lord, and he's going to give me what I want. So I can keep my same definition of success, and as long as I'm obeying God, he's going to give me what I had already defined success as. But that's not what that verse is saying. The verse is saying, when you take delight in the Lord, meaning when the Lord is what you desire, then he will give you what you desire. And so what it's basically saying is, when what you want is God, then you'll get what you want, because God will give himself to you. We see this in the story of Job. Job was looking for answers. He wanted to know why. And as long as he was looking for the answers he was disappointed and frustrated because God was not going to give him the answer. 
God wanted to give Job himself. And so it wasn't until Job was satisfied in God giving him himself that there was a true sense of relief and closure. Because ultimately, that's what God wants to give. He wants to give you himself. Our job is not to try to have God give us the things we've always wanted. Our job is to make God what we want. Because then we will always get what we want. So here's what's amazing about having, being in God's will, our definition of success. Is when you can do that, then the means to achieve success and the end goal of what success is become exactly the same. Because when what you want, when, when what, how you define success is obeying God, then how you do it is obeying God. And now things get really simple. Because like I said, then you get to the point where all you need to do is be able to look up to the heavens and say, God, in this season, I'm obeying you. I may not like it. This may not be my favorite season. I may think that I should be able to be doing more. Maybe I think that there should be more fruit coming out of this. But none of that is the end goal. The end goal is the obedience. And that is my definition of success. And when we can do that, life becomes a lot better and a lot less stressful because things get a lot more simple. And that is when you can truly have one master. Because as long as your definition of success involves in any way how other people view or react to you, you now serve them. And you now are living life trying to serve two masters. And that is a recipe for frustration, anxiety, depression, all those things. So the only way that you can live a life really of true freedom is to live a life where you're serving one master. Jesus said this over and over and over again. It was actually one of his most emphatic points while he was here on earth that he gave in many different ways, many different sermons to many different people. You have to serve one master. That's the only way this works. And if your definition of success involves needing something from any person, whether it's just them thinking you're impressive, whether it's them being in awe of your house or your job or your income or your ministry or anything like that, that means that you serve them and you have two masters and that's just a recipe for disaster. And so I want to get to some questions because there are some really good questions here. Um, before we get to that, a couple things. Um, if, if you're enjoying this, would you please share it on social media? Um, really, the whole goal of this is to expand the conversation from the book, Pharaoh Christian. And so we want to get it out to as many people as possible. Um, that being said, if you have not read the book, Pharaoh Christian, yet, I, I would really encourage you to do it. It's available on Amazon. Um, that's really what this whole podcast is based on. And so 
if you are able to read that, that's going to give you a, a good place to start in all of this. Um, also, if you've read the book and you've enjoyed it, I would greatly appreciate if you would go on Amazon and write a review. That helps a lot when people are looking um, to, to make them feel like, hey, this might be a book that I want to read. And so um, like Pastor Eric Jackson on Facebook, that is where I will uh, kind of put out the topics and ask for your input on questions. And that's where I got all these questions from was right from my Facebook page. So let's jump in. The first question that I got is, how is our definition of success affected by how we compare ourselves to others? Uh, this, this one is huge. And, and, and it's hard to address because this is one of those things where we all know the right answer, right? We, we all know that you're not supposed to compare yourself to others. Um, but we all do it anyways. And obviously, it's, it's well known that comparison is the thief of joy. We, we all know that. Um, and so I don't think the question is really, does comparison rob joy? because we all know it does. I think that the biggest question is, how do we stop doing it? Um, and that's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to stop, stop doing this. And, and the best answer I can give for that is to truly get to the point where we value differences. Um, you know, we, we've been in a, an unfortunate situation in, in church and, and Christianity and, and that whole culture where kind of the best case scenario is you find a church where they tolerate differences. Um, and, and if you can do that, that's good because there's a lot of churches that don't even tolerate differences. Um, but I think what we really need to move to in the church is actually celebrating differences. Um, because that's what the Bible says. It, you know, it talks about the church as a body. There's, there's different organs doing, doing different things, and, and those all need to be celebrated. You know, we celebrate what our brain does, and we celebrate what our heart does, and we celebrate what our muscles do, and we celebrate these things. And we are going to keep comparing ourselves as long as differences are simply tolerated and not celebrated. Um, because what's going to happen is you're always going to compare yourself to, you know, someone whose traits are the ones that are the most highly respected at the church culture at the time. And that's what's hard is that changes. You can look through the generations and different giftings and callings seem to be, you know, the hot calling of the that decade or that generation. Um, and so we all try to do that. Um, and then we get frustrated because some people, that's actually their calling, and other people, it's not. Because there are certain anointings, there are certain callings that are going to lend themselves to more recognition. But we, as the church, need to fight against that and really make sure that everybody, if they are obeying what God's calling them to do, feel celebrated and valued in the church. And that's what I think our job is 
as Christians? So that's a really good question. Um, The next question is, what is the outcome when our success is defined by doing things that are bigger, more special, more religious, things like that? Um, And that's a great question because that is where I think the the church is... um, is really having trouble right now is that things are celebrated just because it's something more than someone else is doing. And and we have this really bad habit of rather than saying, hey, am I doing something that's glorifying God? Am I doing something that's pleasing God? Um, we just look and see, okay, what someone else is doing and can I do a little bit more than they do? Um, it's really bad in the church right now. And and especially as a pastor, I see this. And, you know, right now, it's amazing. We're going through this, this virus and, and this pandemic and, and churches are having to simplify what they have to do. And, And in many ways, it's been amazing because it has forced churches to just do the gospel is, you know, basically, hey, all you can do is preach the gospel and worship and and point people to the Bible. Um, you can't do any special events. You can't do big shows. And to me, at least, I think it's amazing because I think that that's what the church is supposed to be. But it is truly eye-opening to me to see how many churches and pastors are desperately trying to still separate themselves as we're one of the good churches. Um, And here's what I mean by that. Um, There's this big fad of doing parking lot services. Um, And and I really, no disrespect to any church that decided to do that. I don't know your heart. Um, But I do know that as I was seeing this going on, um, you know, one of my callings and and one of my anointings is discernment. So I just, I get, I I just can feel the spirit of things sometimes, um, feel the things underneath. And it's amazing as I was watching some part of all these pastor groups on Facebook, as you see pastors talking about, we're going to do a drive-in service, you don't see anything talking about well, it's because God is going to be more glorified or, um, you know, there's, there's something related to like the true gospel that I want to see happen. It's all this idea of we're going to do more than another church does. We're going to, we're going to be the ones who do, who do something more than someone else. And it is this same idea of it's not really, hey, am I obeying God? It's not really, hey, how do I make sure I'm, I'm in God's will and pleasing God? It's, hey, what's everyone else doing? And I just want to be a little bit better than them. And this goes back to comparing ourselves. But what you end up doing is you can only focus on so many things. And when you get focused on, you know, I, I want something to be bigger. I want it to be more. I want to do more than what someone else is doing. What's going to happen more often than not is you are going to forget about something that you're actually supposed to be doing. And so that's the problem when your definition of success is just doing something more than someone else is doing, is because then you're ultimately going to probably 
not be obeying God. So you're actually giving up what true success is to chase something else. And I think right now in the church, this is really prevalent, is churches wanting to one-up each other, wanting to be, hey, we're one of the the cool churches or we're one of the good churches. Hey, all this church does is get together and sing worship songs, but we do X, Y, and Z. Look at how much better we are. Look at where we're one of the top tier churches. And that not only is not how you get success, that will actually prevent you from truly achieving success because you're not going to have time to be worried about obeying God when you're worried about one-upping everyone else around you. And so I think that that's a really important question there. We got one more, um, and it says, when defining success, is it better to focus on volume or depth? This is such a good question. We've actually, we just, um, we just talked about this at our church. Um, we're, we're, we've been kind of looking a lot at, at the parables of Jesus. And I've always thought of like when Jesus was, was talking about us and him, that it was always like sheep and a shepherd. But when you really read Jesus more often than not, by far more than anything else, refers to us as plants with a gardener. Um, and, and you view things very differently because you see in the Bible, Jesus thinning out crowds all the time. You know, one of the most challenging things Jesus ever said that, that people still struggle with is unless you hate your father and mother, you can't follow me. Well, in the Bible, it says that Jesus said that when he saw the crowds. And it was like, this was his reaction is like, this has gotten overgrown. And, and there's a lot of, of branches here that aren't bearing any fruit. So what a good gardener does is cut off and prune things that aren't bearing fruit. Now, that is so different than how anything in America would ever work because we love the mass. We love just the, the look of, of things bursting at the seams. That's just exciting. And hey, we must be successful because look at all of this. But that's not how a gardener looks. A gardener is always looking at what is actually bearing fruit. I don't, I don't just want overgrown plants. I want fruit. And so when we, our definition of success is not just a lot of something, but actually ob observing what has fruit and what doesn't and being willing to be less impressive in, in terms of mass for the sake of fruitfulness that's where success is, and that is what Jesus did. Jesus saw, I mean, he was a rock star. He had, to, he had to literally have getaway boats ready in case the crowds got too much. And yet, when he saw that, his first response was, I got to thin this out. This is overgrown. There's a lot here that's not fruitful. And, and that is what is so important about this idea of not looking for volume, but looking for depth not looking for mass, looking for fruit. And you might not be impressive because the world is always going to look for mass, but God is going to look for fruit. And so if we can retrain our brains 
to look for fruit instead of mass and to have our success just based on the fruit of our ministry and not the mass that follows, we're going to be a lot more successful in God's eyes. And so that's success. How do you define it? Are you willing to let God redefine success in your life so that you're able to live outside the fence? Because the only way that you will achieve success in the world's eyes is by living inside the fence because they are going to be your master. And so you're going to have to please them, which means you're going to have to stay inside the fence. The only way that you can get outside the fence and still feel successful is if you have allowed God to radically redefine not just the means for success, but the actual ends of what success is. So remember, today, test some fences in your life and do everything you can to possess the land God is calling you to possess. Until next time. What if I told you that on the other side of these fences, there is land where the Pauls and the Timothys used to walk? That just beyond these fences of church pews, traditions, and rules, there are forests that we once owned. That right past the that's just how it's done's and just do what you're told's lay a place where we can regain what we've lost. Our strength, our senses, our power, the ability to live the way we were always meant to live. What if they're all still there, waiting for us? Just beyond the fence.